Hey friend, it's Chris. Welcome to Ecce Domino, Latin for Behold the Lord. Let's get beholding. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Jeremiah 29, 10-14, NIV. I just watched Sight and Sound Theater's Queen Esther with the fam, and I wanted to release this while it's relatively fresh. I've been meditating this week on the pauses and gaps in the Bible stories. Today I'm reminded of the year Esther had to wait from the time she was taken to the harem until she saw the king. Imagine, she's a beautiful, single orphan living with her very Jewish cousin when she's forced by law to leave everything and everyone she's ever known. She's involuntarily initiated into a kind of sorority. She's never leaving the palace, whether she pleases the king or not. She's surrounded by strangers and rivals, maybe even other desperate Jewesses. All tragedy is personal. It's easy to fixate on Haman's attempt at the OG Holocaust, but Esther has known loss already. She's lost her parents. She's lost at least a little of her identity, growing up as a foreigner in the most powerful city in the world. Then she's severed from Mordecai in any semblance of normalcy. She's never going to meet a nice Jewish boy and raise a family. She's never going back to Jerusalem. Then, even when she's queen, the king stops calling for her. My heart breaks for Esther. But in this production, my heart broke for Mordecai, too. He spends most of the musical wondering why God is allowing this. Why is this reckless man enthroned? Why is Mordecai's adopted daughter abducted? Why is she queened? Why is Haman the Agagite, the ancient enemy of the Jews, ascendant? Why did the king co-sign this genocidal edict? The fictional Mordecai tries to hide Esther from the guards, then badgers everyone until he's able to contact her. His only goal is her safety, and now she's completely beyond his protection. This Mordecai doesn't want Esther to go to the king. He doesn't want her involved. The other Jews pressure him because she's their only possible advocate. They all fast as the queen requests, but at the end of three hangry days, she just invites the king to a banquet. They think she's failed, but Mordecai insists they keep praying. Esther's kind of the anti-Vashti. Honestly, I think Vashti would have been a lot happier as first lady. She's absurdly independent for her era and station. Everyone knows queens are pretty pawns. She's lucky not to be executed. Maybe she's luckier to be banished, to not have to live with Xerxes anymore. Esther, though, doesn't just not reject the king. She invites him to a banquet. Remember how this whole story begins? The king throws a six-month party. Can you imagine? This woman just risked her life to ask the king out. And she lets him bring his wingman. Esther's aware of her dependence. This is her actual request to the king. Then Queen Esther answered, If I have found favor with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, grant me my life, this is my petition, and spare my people, this is my request. For I and my people have been sold to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. If we had merely been sold as male and female slaves, I would have, been, I would have kept quiet. 
because no such distress would have justified disturbing the king. Esther 7, 3 to 4, NIV. Anyone else find that last sentence incredibly offensive in 2020? If we had been merely sold as male and female slaves, I would have kept quiet because no such distress would justify disturbing the king. Wow. Mordecai saves the king's life early in Esther, but he becomes a footnote. There's no immediate reward. Ever feel like that? Haman is elevated in the very next passage, though. Not only is Mordecai still powerless, but his hated foe is glorified. How quickly it all turns. By the end, Haman is dead, and Mordecai is favored. The Jews are triumphant. It's their enemies who are killed. Here's how they celebrate. This happened on the 13th day of the month of Adar, and on the 14th, they rested and made it a day of feasting and joy. The Jews in Susa, however, had assembled on the 13th and 14th, and then on the 15th, they rested and made it a day of feasting and joy. That is why rural Jews, those living in the villages, observe the 14th of the month of Adar as a day of joy and feasting, a day for giving presents to each other. Esther 9, 17-19, NIV. Y'all catch that subliminal messaging? Purim was like Christmas. Feasting, joy, presence. They were supposed to be annihilated, wiped off the face of the earth as a race. To be fair, that was God's punishment for the Malachites in 1 Samuel. Saul's failure to obey left the door open for Haman's revenge. So, Jeremiah 29.11. It's written to the Jews who have been taken to Babylon. False prophets have given them fake news, such as Hananiah in Jeremiah 28 who prophesies that God is about to break Nebuchadnezzar's yoke. Actually, no. They're going to be there for 70 years. Most of the recipients of this message will die in Babylon. Maybe their grandchildren or great-grandchildren will get to return. They're going to be subject to capricious, foreign, idolatrous kings. But they're not to rebel. The Jews are commanded, are not commanded to be zealots, to fight for their freedom. Instead, God wants them to Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Jeremiah 29, 5-7, NIV. That is not what they wanted to hear. They don't want to get used to this. They want to be free. They want to go home. Instead, they're going to start over. They're going to bloom where they're planted. They're going to bless their enemies and wholeheartedly commit to the well-being of their new communities. Their own success is tied to that of their very much not set-apart neighbors. And then God says he has plans to prosper them and give them hope in a future. This is the goodness of God, not his pettiness, not his vengeance. God still loves his people. He's still taking care of them, just not how they prefer. By the time Esther comes around, the exile is over. Many Jews have gone home, but Greece and Rome are coming, never mind the Ottomans and the British. Haman failed, but Hitler failed less. Even now, Israel isn't completely restored. So where is God? What is he up to? Why is he allowing this still? I went for an angry walk around my neighborhood today when I noticed the breeze in the trees. I love breezes. I picture God expressing physical touch in those moments. Yeah, I'm upset, but God is still in control. It will be okay. I will be okay. 
His plans are still to prosper, not to harm. I'm an exile here on Earth. You are too. This isn't home. There are days I long to leave, to be where I belong. I don't know if I have a 70-year sentence, but that's kind of the point. It's not meant to be a sentence. We all experience hardships. The years can weigh heavily, and sorrows unchecked compound over time. But this life is a gift, not a curse, not a burden. Every day is precious. Every day is an invitation. I'm not a Jew. I'll probably never celebrate legit Purim. But as someone who should have been annihilated, someone who deserved annihilation, I too have the choice to feast and rejoice and be generous today. Join me? I'll close with the most quoted verse in Queen Esther, the musical. The word she clings to as she lives out Esther and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad life. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Psalm 4610, NIV.